0: This is Lodge Tales. I'm your host Rod Williamson. Thanks for joining me as I travel down this path of strangeness. Here at Lodge Tales, what I want to create is a place where Native Americans can tell their ghost stories, um, stories of the strange, paranormal, Bigfoot, UFOs, little people—you know, anything along those lines—goat man. Dogma, whatever there there is out there, is kind of what we want to do here, and it's a place just just for natives to come and tell their 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 experiences. There, there's really a void for that. It kind of don't exist. So, what we're trying to do here at Lodge Tales is go go ahead and create a platform where natives feel comfortable coming where they can share. Because a lot of times, the fact of the matter is, we just ain't comfortable sharing with a lot of people that are outside our tribe. You know, we we maybe that's how it is for most people just ain't comfortable around a lot of other different people i have no idea but that's kind of what i what i noticed happened so you don't hear a lot of natives you know telling stories or anything out there on the internet is as common that they are out there but they're hard to find you know and um what i wanted to do is create a a place where we could all just freely share um our stories about about all the strange and paranormal stuff and uh what i'm going to do is start on my reservation um the blackfeet reservation in montana and uh i'm going to interview friends family and we're just you know go from there get all their stories in one place uh where we can hear them geez it'll even be good for the kids to listen to their to their grandparents down the road you know so those are my thoughts on it but i'd like to talk a little bit about myself to begin this all off um I was born in Montana, raised on the res. You know, growing up, I was always brought around ceremonies, uh, sweats. You know, I'd participate at the Sundance. I wouldn't Sundance, but I'd dare help in, you know, getting the the materials to get. Just help, whatever we needed to do, we would help. And, uh, you know, I grew up like that, Um, being around these people, these holy people, these... uh, know in our, our our traditional ways you know and uh, you hear so many ghost stories just being around all that you know we in our tribe we talk about spirits just like anybody else talks about geez the baseball game you know we we're open and we don't deny it it's already to the point like we know they exist there's no need to prove it we're just trying to figure out what they want and so, that's kind of how we are, and uh, very in touch with that spiritual side. Most natives are. Um, you can pick out any random native and any random non-native, and compare their, you know, spiritual. What would I say? Uh, growth, I guess. And those natives are always going to be way up there. Yeah, they're always going to be way up there. But um, so again, a little bit more about myself. That grow. That's how I grew up. You know, I grew up around all that, and uh, later on in life, well, I went to boarding school when I was a kid, too, in Browning. Then I went to another one in Oregon called Chamao Indian School. Shout out to the Braves. (laughs) So later on, I joined the military, right? Then I do all that. I served for eight years the Marines, the Army, and the National Guard. I was an infantryman in there, and uh, I get done with that. I come back out here. I start working. I do flooring and whatnot. Lately... I've been wanting to, well, at work, I, I, I listen to podcasts a lot. And I have a, a heck of a time finding podcasts where just natives are talking about their stories, you know. So I thought, geez, I'll just create one. i a good friend. I consider a friend. His name is Timothy Renner. And he's been guiding me through this process of how to start a podcast and, and what to do, the basics of getting it going. Well, here I am and I'm getting it rolling and we're we're making progress. So I really appreciate everybody coming in and trying to uh to uh be willing to sit down and be interviewed and share their stories. I'm thankful for what they are willing to share. There are a lot of things we ain't willing to share including myself of our stories. There's just some things that 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 don't need to be told. And so that's kind of where I'm at with all of it. The stories that can be told, I want to hear them. And stick with me as I go around. I'm gonna I'm gonna root out as many as I can. It's <laughs> so excited because we never get to share these stories a lot with the world because they're always so kept. Like you'll hear them at powwows at a fire. You hear about the Sundance that night at the fire. You hear them sitting around the the sweat lodge. You hear them just sitting around houses. You hear them at Christmas, Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter. You, you'll hear. These are the things I want people to. I want to share this with the world, and uh, I want people to to be able to, well, get some good out of it. You know, so that's my whole intent. Just a little taste of kind of what kind of stories we have here what would be willing to share one of my favorite ghost stories is this and it's happened to me so as a kid I was at the old boarding school at mission on the reservation mission is is, is, so let's describe this place it sits in a valley there's a river on one side and there's cliffs on the other you gotta go past this road and there's cliffs and there's trees down in that little bottom where it's at because it's on the same floodplain as the river well, anyways, um, there were some old boarding schools there, a boys' dorm and a girls' dorm. The, the, the dorms ain't there anymore today as we speak. Just the church is there. There was a church there, too. And this was the mission school where all the Blackfeet kids were sent to basically get their identity stripped away from them. You know, kind of a sad time in our history. But... That school was there, and when I was a kid, I'd I'd go play in those ruins. Well, it was more like a condemned building. It was still standing. It wasn't ruins yet. It was more like just a condemned building. And I'd go play in there. Well, one weekend, I went to go play with my friend Joe. And um, shout out to Joe if you're out there. Um, We had walked into that girl's dorm. There's a second floor up there well as we went into the first area i think it was like the dining area because it was a big open area with a high ceiling just rubble everywhere i, could, I remember seeing like a, a breakfast bar looking thing like a, a, a little pony wall i guess with a countertop on it and to the right of that was this hallway and it was dark just total blackness you couldn't see down that hallway but everywhere else in that room is light you can see just fine but down that hallway this is so dark you couldn't see and um the light only shined in so far down that hallway from the opening there so you, you're basically going into darkness when you walk down that hallway so that's what we did we were just exploring and it was only way up that we could see anyway so we went down and joe was hanging on to my shirt in that dark hallway because it was scary and i didn't mind him doing that i felt pretty good that he was hanging on to me because i was scared too i had my left hand against the wall And we're walking down there's rubble we can hear crunching as we're walking you know and i'm using my hand to feel in case there's a door or or anything i can feel that we can get to Um, eventually my hand feels a corner so we get to that corner and i i pull myself around it and i look up and there's light you could see at the top of the stairs so i go up to the top of the stairs and joe's still with me by then he kind of lets go and that light was there and he's walking up beside me and We go down the hallway because we could see more light once we get to the top we don't want to go back down to that dark hallway it's just too freaky down there we don't go back down there so we're looking toward that light that's what we're naturally gravitating toward and as we go down to the room it's on the left side and the ceiling's all caved in the rest of the rooms are still up there's about like oh 10 rooms on one side 10 on the other maybe less i couldn't tell down the other way it's too dark but we passed like three or four by the time we got to that room that was already all broke out that ceiling on part of it was caved in And as we get in there, I look down and I see this little shed with a chimney kind of like sticking out on the side of it. And there's a tree down on the ground, but I can see out that window. And if if we did it right, we could jump to that little shed and from there hang drop. But from the window to the shed was about six feet, not bad. But from the shed to the ground was about 10 feet. It'll hurt your feet. So I knew, I kind of suspected it was going to do this, but as I was looking at our the route we we're gonna take to get out there because there's no way we're going back that way and Joe was quiet the whole time he just kind of like walked by me looked down at it and then just jumped down off of that to that shed uh, to that rooftop of that shed then down to the ground and he was walking behind that tree because that's kind of like the natural path to get a walk to like come out and then go back over to the church well he didn't come out from behind that tree and I was hollering at him I said Joe did that sting your feet and he didn't answer I thought, well, maybe he ran to the right where it, that would obstruct my view. I wouldn't be able to see where he went. I thought maybe he went around a building that way. So I was like, man, he ain't, he ain't waiting for me. And I kind of got scared to stay up there. So I jumped down to that one and i go like, oh God, and I, it was bad, but not as bad as the next drop was going to be because it stung my feet. Well, I get to my belly and I'm scooting backwards off it, and finally I'm hanging. I'm looking down. I still don't see Joe and I let go and I walk behind that tree looking for Joe. And as I walked behind that tree looking for him, Joe appears in that room we had just jumped out of and he's hollering down at me and he's saying, Rod, did that sting your feet? I just ran. There's no way I could stay there and take that. That was too, too creepy for me because Joe was already down there. Yet there he was up top. And so I ran. I got, I just got spooked and I ran back to that church and I sat with my grandpa through the whole church. And I got really close to him and I just stayed put and I didn't say anything. I sat right by him. I knew after church that, see my grandpa would talk to Joe's folks they'd visit for about 10-15 minutes after church each time, each Sunday, well, I knew Joe would want to talk to me about, it. I didn't want to talk about it, I was too scared, and finally he'd come, what happened, why'd you leave me, and I said I didn't, I said you were with me the whole time, you grabbed my shirt and you walked with me all the way up those stairs, and when we got to that broke out room. You went ahead of me and jumped out. I was trying to follow you and I was asking you if that stung your feet, but you didn't come out from behind that tree. So I ran, I jumped down because I didn't want to be left up there. And when I got down and I finally jumped down, I was looking for you. I walked by that tree looking for you. Just then you look, I heard you say, Rod, did that sting your feet? And that scared me because that's what I asked you. And he said, he said, no, no, going down that hallway, I lost you. It was too dark. I lost you. By the time I got to the top and seen that, that room with the light and that broke out ceiling. Because I didn't want to go back down that hallway either. I, I seen you jump down. I seen you come down and like you were walking behind that tree. And that's how I asked you if it stung your feet. <laughs> so see, that's one of mine that I'll share with you guys. To start this whole podcast off. I have... Way more stories of just my own personal experiences. Now that story, that happened when I was in the third grade. I remember that. So, with more of these uh, interviews coming out with a lot of my friends, y- you'll be in store for more. Um, my father-in-law, he has a story about, you know, battling a spirit while they were cutting wood one time. That's a really good one. Um, another one of my friends was a cop, and he could go on and on about his stories and his experiences being a cop and the stuff he's seen um i have I have another buddy who who just man he he's seen so many spooky things in his life that just the the stories that come out this guy will amaze you they come out just just like nothing i mean and yeah. So, so there's a lot of these people around that have these stories and I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few of them if we can, uh, get us going with, with this podcast. Enough. Well, without, without waiting any longer, let's go ahead and get into the show. And, um, here we go. All right. Our next, uh, guest on our show is actually my father-in-law and, um, He's from he's from the same reservation as me. He's actually from a little little uh just a crick over. He's from Badger Creek and I'm from Tumed. <laughs> Anyways, uh hey. It's my father-in-law Daryl Bullshit and he's he's joining us for a few stories today. Um So go ahead, Daryl. Uh, tell us about your 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 ghost stories that you had when you were tree and and just just whatever. Just talk whatever you want want to talk about.
1: Okay. Uh, this happened about around, uh, 87, 88. I was, uh, contracting, thre- treating and for the forestry. working in the Little Belts, um, would have been, uh, southeast of, uh, Whitesaw for there, and, uh, we, uh, cut for a week, and, finished up our some units and was waiting to get uh inspected get our units inspected so we could come on home and get paid for them. Um, i was there that day waiting for the inspector to go through our units i decided to walk up that top of that mountain that was there that day but was camped below there and uh, found a trail that led up that way, so I started walking up there, and I, it was a nice day, nice sunny day. Uh, walked on up and got to the top there in the pines and stuff, and then right on top there was uh, three graves, uh, one on, right at the top, and there's one oh, about 50 feet below that, another one about 50 feet below that one. And I I didn't bother him or anything. I just walked by him. I noticed him and I took some kinnick and I put it in a tree as a gift. I have nothing else. I have no tobacco or anything. Uh, I didn't bother. I just headed down. I heard something. Somebody call. Shout shout a name or something. But I um, couldn't really hear it that good. I started down to... I've been to uh, East Side, of that mountain. I went up on a uh, west side, the west, yeah, southwest side. I went up. I went down. I uh, start down the east side. There was no trail there, but I just walked through that old growth timber, and that that was a pretty scary walk. <laughs> it felt like uh, something was watching you, or things were watching you as you went through that old growth timber. Mm-hmm. And I got down to the bottom, and I. walk back up, I come out about, oh, two miles below our camp, and I walk back up the road, hit the road, and I walk back up, and didn't think nothing of it, nothing happened, got back up there, we sat around, the guy didn't show up, to inspect us, so we figured he'd show up the next day, we just, uh, cleaned our saws, cleaned up the camp and stuff, and killed time, and then, uh, Ate supper and went uh, went to bed. It was a uh, full moon out that night, and I and I was laying there on my cot. Uh, I was laying on the west side, and uh, Woody Bearchild was a. Uh, it was just me and him cutting, and he was laying on the east side of that little tent, one of uh, those little walla tent that you just put up real fast or it wasn't very big maybe about 10 by 10 tent mm-hmm. uh, and <clears throat> I woke up and I don't know what woke me up I went to sleep but I woke up and I looked over at Woody's side and I could see somebody walk through the shadow see a shadow walk through on the outside of that tent by Woody's A human shadow I walked by him and they walked over, and that, that that moonlight lit up everything. I mean, it was just really bright out, and he, I could see him walk over, and then uh, our, our zipper was ripped on our tent, so we just had uh, bobby pins in it. <laughs> 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 to hold those doors closed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, he, uh, and I was watching it, because I could see that person outside, and that see so his shadow through that tent, and he, he stepped right through. Right through that tent doors, there's a Indian. I don't know what what tribe he's from or anything, but he's he's really had long hair, long braided hair. He had on uh, white buckskins with a uh, quilt down the arms and on the side of his legs. Even his moccasins had quilt work in. He come in and I didn't feel right. So I was just watching him. I knew he wasn't real or, you know, I just, had, you know I just knew he wasn't real. So he looked at me. I was laying there and I was kind of watching him. Then he looked at Woody. And he looked back at me and then he looked at Woody. And I knew, I just had that feeling he was going to do something. And he jumped right from that doorway. He jumped and he come down on me on that. Uh, caught when he did that, I grabbed his uh, wrists because uh, but, um, I'd been told by some old older people, elders, that you grab them and you hold them and you, uh, you you don't own them, but you you hold them there until daylight. If you can hold them or pull it in, pull them into the light. It uh, destroys anything they have. Uh, any kind of power or anything that, or anything they were trying to do to you, it'll it'll destroy them. So I grabbed his wrist, and then he started trying to get away, and uh, I could uh hold him, and uh, he he uh, started kept trying to get away, and I don't know how long it went on, but uh, next thing it uh, I could feel it lightening up outside. And, Woke up, and I told Woody, oh, I I had a pretty bad uh, experience last night. I was telling him about that. And I told him, oh, uh, well, he said, oh, yeah, And noticed that. He said, shit, you was, uh, he was bouncing about two feet off of that cart.
0: <laughs>
1: like something was lifting you up. And I told him I was holding that guy's wrist because I, uh, I didn't want him to get away and come back and bother us or anything. I, I knew if I held him till the sun come up, the Creator, who lightened up the sky, then it, uh, he didn't, wouldn't have, you know, nothing to do with us. He wouldn't be able to harm us or anything. And uh, he said, yeah. I said, shit, it went on for about, uh, he said about maybe an hour, hour and 45 minutes. He said, oh, you just lift plum off of that cotton told him I was hollering at you to wake me up so I could pull him into our world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Woody said, well, you know, um, they say uh, when somebody's having a nightmare, you're not supposed to wake them up. <laughs> I told <laughs> you not to really at you, Woody. <laughs> he said, but it, it didn't sound he said, in my... What I was hollering was I was hollering his name, but he said it didn't sound like his name, like I was just kind of guttural and grunting or something. <laughs> Yeah, did, uh did that. and it, But uh, whatever it was, it, it never did come back. Whoever that person was, he never came back. And we cut down there for about another three years, four years. Uh, Woody ended up moving away, and uh, I ended up staying there and running the saw team down there for two more years. But, uh, yeah, that never did bother us, and we stayed in that same area. Oh, that must have took care of it just not being scared of him you know yeah you know, I got that feeling that that that's how they they get to you is they through fear if, if you can overcome that fear and uh, pull them into the light or that was uh, another thing I was told you pull them out of their world that's that dream kind of that dream state yeah and pull them into yours yeah. They won't have you take away everything that they have. Anything bad, their power, anything. You take that away from them. And, uh, yeah, that's it.
0: And, There's. I remember you I'm, talk. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean. What? I remember you talking one time, and you said, um, "You said if we use if we use cedar, cedar can actually burn those bad ones." Yeah. Jeez.
1: Yeah. I'm, it's like uh, like a human getting hot water poured on them. Oh. Cedar has the same effect on a, a spirit that, like, uh, we would, it hurts them the same way as hot water being poured on us would be that cedar when it it does that. They, that's what that old first elder said. Hey. That's what that cedar to them. That, that pain's the same thing, but pain to them. Uh, that cedar when it, you burn it and it touches them or if they're around.
0: They have no choice but to head out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I tell you, they say when you have a bad dreams or something or you feel like something's following you or around you or, you know, just around kind of harm or something that you burn that. You no, know, the way I was given and the dream was that uh, I start with a uh, sweet grass, uh, put that on a coal and then let that start burning. then uh, that old guy that came to me in that dream told me, then I had uh, sweet pine on top of that.
0: Hmm.
1: And if, if you really need it, he said, don't use it all the time. He said, but if things are bad and you feel like you really need it, he said, put that cedar on top. Of that, of your uh, sweet pine last. he said that'll nah, take care of whatever's around. He said, well, most of the time that smudge of that uh, sweet grass and sweet pine'll take care of things along with your prayers.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, take care of things. But if you feel like you know it's it's close, it's gonna, something's gonna harm somebody around you. Should and use that, use that cedar. But, uh, use it sparingly, I guess, is
0: what he meant.
1: Hmm. Really old guy in my dream.
0: Oh. oh. He just
1: had, uh, lines on his face. He was
0: so old.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you that one later on.
0: but that, that man. dream
1: there. Yeah.
0: That guy that came to you in that, that tent when you had to battle with him, his, uh, he said he had quill work all over, just just so everybody... Yeah, it wasn't everybody...
1: beads, it wasn't beads, it was uh, dyed quill, what it looked like to me was dyed quills uh, on his uh, buckskin suit, and his suit was just white,
0: oh. you know,
1: like white tanned uh, deer hide or something? Yeah. Yeah, it had to be deer hide. Because elk, I know when you tan it, it gets uh, brown. Yeah, so it had to be deer hide, tan deer hide. But yeah, and it was. uh, uh, If I can remember, if I remember right, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't um, cut. You know, like uh, later years, they they cut those. Stylish, you know, kind of like a, a coat. They cut the bottom of the hide square around them. Uh-huh. This, this guy's uh, hides were still like whole. Oh. Yeah, you know, like he just, like whole, uh, his hides were still, uh, uh, weren't cut or anything. They were just whole in these, uh, from what I can remember of it, these leggings. They had leggings, but they were, they were fringe, they were white. Even these uh, moccasins were white. I was thinking, you know, he must have been, you know, somebody pretty, uh, thought of or something to be, because I imagine, you know, what I thought was that, you know, they come back and what they're buried in, if you run into them on this side, He must have been, that must have been his uh, suit. He was buried in up there. Hmm. Yeah, was that that. And he must have been well thought of, whoever. I don't know why he come pick on me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's strange. I wonder why he did that. But the the quill work is what really, really fascinates me. Because if if nobody knows that quill work was what they used before beads came. I mean they they imagine yeah. they made beads every now and then or traded for them back in those those days. But for the most part yeah. our tribe up here was was quill work. And uh not only our tribe but that the surrounding tribes in this area, the northwestern, you know, the Rockies. So yeah. just so people realize like what he's talking about is, is a really old person, that spirit that yeah. came.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he that had to be. You know, another thing, too, he was buried. Now, I know some tribes did that. I know we did it not off and on, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mostly we used those scaffolds. I never really got around uh, curious enough to ask, you know, uh, if when we start, if we always buried people sometimes or if we just use scaffolds all the time
0: probably depends on the know. area, you think? like If they're out yeah. off, out in the plains, they might want to bury them. If they're close to the mountains, they might want to put them up. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, this was, uh, that. this had to be, uh, well, where those are, there's a lot of pines. I imagine it's always been pines. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, well, maybe at one time it was, uh, you know, bare on that mountain top. Yeah long ago yeah.
0: could, could just be that's just the way they buried them that that at that time too you know for yeah. whatever reason
1: yeah well, i never did go back never was curious enough to go back up
0: there
1: <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> stayed the hell away from there
0: <laughs> the other story that you tell i like karen too that one where uh where you took those um that college those group of college students back in the mountains, and you were their cook, kind of camp crew, and and all that, and you had those, you had a dream about those little people up there.
1: Oh, that yeah, we uh, uh yeah, cooking for them, and uh went up there, and uh I think it was our last night up there. We stayed up there, I think four four days mm-hmm. at, at college. And I just uh, went up for to cook and take care of camp for them, and they uh, paid me. A, but that last night up there was, a, a sleeping by those trees. Of, while out, that, everybody was, a lot of them were sleeping along those pines at that uh, Forks uh, campground, and that's it. and it was the middle of the night, I could, uh, like, hear like, laughter. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, people, when they laugh, kind of quiet. And I, I sat up in my uh, sleeping bag, and I was looking around, and everybody was sleeping. And I got to look, uh sat there, and I got, turned in my head, and I could uh, see those little people, those little, little Indians, just natives. Just, they was just nothing wrong with them. You know, they, they're, they were just small.
0: But they were proportionate, <laughs> right? Just shrunk? <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe two and a half feet tall.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they were in uh like uh age groups. Not you know, they not there was some little little kids and then there was some uh like medium age grown ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, what they were doing, they were I was watching them and they were going around all those guys that were sleeping there pick up things that were laying by him this one come over and he's just kind of like watch me he must have knew i was awake or watching him because he just kind of come up slow and he's uh, looking at me and then he looked around where i was sleeping and he said he did he uh, told me to you know who we are and i said yeah you um, i've heard stories of you guys I've heard stories of you you're Know, what we call little people he said yeah he said do you see these pines and I told come yeah he said uh, each one of them uh, we live in a, we live in a, each one of them has one of us he said and this is uh the bigger the pine the older we are that live in them so that we've been a lot around that long said, you know, you said, yeah, you'll be back up here. You'll be back through." said, you see your, uh, picked up my spurs. And he said, you see these? And I said, yeah. He said, tomorrow you're going to lose this. And he said, I had uh, silver dollars for Rowles. Uh, that pure silver, that, what is it, 9 999.99? Mm-hmm. I had on for uh, my spurs those kind of, 'cause my big horse I uh, I used to ride, he never liked rowels, so I had to go to those coins. That's the only way he'd uh, come up to me. Otherwise, if he, I had spurs with rowels, he'd just run away from me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that's why I start uh, training horses with just uh, those coins on those rowels. but yeah, I said you're gonna lose us tomorrow. And, looking at it, and I put it down, and I just went back to sleep, and that next day, I never thought of it, you know, and it didn't bother me, because we got to packing up and stuff, and those horses were bucking around, those pack horses, yeah uh, you got those loading them up, me and Terry Taxi and I, they got to bucking around, and I didn't think of it, until I started out, and then I Telling Rusty about that dream and uh, Rusty catching them, that dream, and, and uh, coming down, and I got, brought him out, and I got home, and I sure enough, I looked down, my Raoul was gone.
0: Hmm.
1: It, it was uh, I had one on my spur, one on my. I think it was my uh, right side that I lost. My left side I still had on. That, uh, <laughs> matching all, I lost that uh, right one. I don't know where I lost to that. I had them for years, about, at least two, three years. I had those rails on it. I never worried about losing them because I'd always uh, tap that that uh, shank that goes in them that holds them in there. I'd always tap it and flatten it out. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah, that that was a good one. <laughs> that dream, or whatever, whatever it was.
0: Those little people and didn't. Didn't that other time when you, Rusty Vernwald, and Ann were going to town in there? You guys seen that red Bigfoot?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, by uh, Cocoa Boggs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I was. Uh, was running Rusty back, and he was helping me uh Cut. Hey, uh, I hired him, and he's helping me run that machinery down there. Now uh, we're just taking him back in there. Uh, we came up, we fed him supper here and then we took him back in. It was still just about dark when you have to put your lights on and we going by Coco's just uh, past his uh, before you get to Evans Creek there, that little creek Um I seen that thing lay uh standing alongside that road and it was looked like it had its like its forearm on that uh reflector
0: hmm.
1: uh, to reflect on the road.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and what I seen was uh what I thought it was was I thought it was just a uh, red phase of cinnamon bear and uh, there's another car coming around at that, that turn there and I I just moved out to the center of the road uh, so I could get around it and then a more uh, concentrated on that car and then to half attention on that I thought it was a bear because I thought if it jumped down and ran in front of us, I was going to hit it. Uh, it was in a van. And I just went around it. But what I seen was uh, like the hair was really long on its chest. I could actually see it blowing, like, mm. you know, that, moving it. Yeah. And it was it was long. And I didn't, didn't really... uh. Dawn on me to look at it really close, you know, because I just uh, thought, well, it's a bear, it's a red-faced bear, and uh, Ann's seen it really good, and she said it didn't have a a bear's snout, she said it more like an ape or something, I guess you'd say, her and Rusty both agreed on that part, and uh, she's seen it oh, shit! she to be about well, 15 feet from it up? Because I didn't go all the way over. I just pulled out on that center line, kind of straddled that center line, got around it. And then, uh, Rusty said he turned and he looked back and it walked upright across the road there, uh, heading towards the mountains there, uh, across the road and headed up towards uh those mountains there. But man, I always, Kick myself in the ass for not paying more attention, slowing down and looking at it. But, you know, you see so many animals around here. just You just uh, kind of take it for granted what you're seeing is uh, what you think you're seeing. <laughs> if they're around here, well, you know, after that, Glenn Horn's seen it over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd walk this uh, he'd, uh, walk this road because he's a uh, heart. The doctors told him to walk a lot so he'd walk down. And yeah, first time he seen it it was just across this road here from where we stayed at uh heavy gun house, that log house back there. Yeah. Yeah, he said it was looking out of that brush at him. And he described it the same way as Ann and Rusty described it. Kinda of like it had like ape eight features. Hmm. And he said he could see it uh Cause it was kind of well, I imagine upper part of its body was away. I understood it was uh, he's seen looking out that brush at him. And then, uh, I think it was a couple days later, he's he used to walk all the way down to where that you know they call that uh, little derm, yeah, turn off moss mm-hmm. ribs that little right Mhm. He went that far and then he turned around and he started back up and he said, When he come over that in that little flat there before you get to this T over here on this highway. He uh, looked out and it was uh, pacing him out in that flat. Mm. <laughs> that's it. He said he got a good look at it and that's what It was walking up right because there's no trees or anything around it. But uh, When Ann started telling him that anymore you just start walking he's, uh in these little circles around here uh, up at that senior citizens that little loop
0: and then yeah. you come
1: down here walk this loop like that runs up from here skunk village and then hooks over to highway and back that's where he walks now but uh yeah, he just quit walking he said after he's seen it out in that flat that first time he said I thought it might have been a bear kind of standing up, looking at me. said, but after I seen it out in that flat, he said, I'm not going down there no more.
0: Ooh, I don't blame him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Things like, yeah, whatever they're around, whatever they are.
0: What do you think they are, though?
1: fasting
0: yeah yeah
1: Yeah, they say that that's what their wasn't their job but that's what they do it move uh like uh any you know thing around you wild game or something bears i guess and stuff they'd move them out of your keep them away from you while you're
0: fasting you know that's a lot when you think about that that has a lot to do with intent people are going out there in a good way you know and yeah you know well because of that look what's happened when they're out there fasting and well being respectful you know
1: yeah letting I, things out rather than keeping them in mhm yeah
0: jeez I, I think they're honestly i think they're an old what what they call a um a relic hominid, I think, is a phrase I, I heard about that. They're they're an old race, you know, from the old world before the flood, and um, yeah, I I think they're you know because uh, Clifton says that, that his grandpa Clarence, you know, would tell him uh, some of the names that they'd call him. One of them was the Nowhere People, and Clifford, your brother, was saying he he heard of those old guys call him uh, just simply don't know where they come from. <laughs> that was another yeah. name for them, but yeah, I there. I wonder about them. I well, so if they're that old and then they live out in nature like that, I've always kind of you know, since I've thought about this a little more later in my life, I've thought they have medicine, like how those those, you know, those really powerful holy people do. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't know how they get those gifts. Maybe I imagine it's the same way that our people do. They go seek them out or something, and and they... Yeah. I almost imagine, you know, if you live that clean, I guess, with nature, and you're that respectful, then I think a lot of that stuff's easier to come toward you. You know, maybe acquire it. Who, who knows? But I, I think about it like those old Indians and how they lived with, you know, respect with everything. Well, yeah. When they see you doing that still, I think they respect that. You know, and they Yeah. They, but you, you know, there's stories out there where like somebody's seen one fifty miles away, ran home, was scared, drove home as fast as he could, gets home and in his yard that damn thing's standing there too. <laughs> they they don't know how to explain those things. Where isn't in our way we do. That you know, that I don't know if you ever heard those stories of Sun Calf, but he was that guy in Canada where uh those spirits took pity on him when he hid in that death lodge and he gave him gifts. There was even a white man's spirit gave him uh, medicine. They, they say in that story he gave him a tobacco twist and he was to spit on any lock that uh, he didn't want to you know, be locked into and it would open up for him. Well, oh, he, okay,
1: yeah.
0: Remember okay. the one, the other... Spirit gave him that gift where he could travel really fast. i like, remember when he finally broke out of that jail? He didn't want to stay there no more, so he spit on his locks he's go over that hill. And those guys on horseback chased him. Well, as soon as he got, they got over that hill. They seen him walk over it, Cripes all the way across that valley. He was already going over that next hill. <laughs> it's yeah, a, is
1: he the one that walk on those uh, moonbeams?
0: I'm not sure if he did. I, the only I don't yeah. remember remember anything like that, but.
1: Yeah, there's one, there's a story of uh, one of them that could do that. Could uh, walk on those moonbeams.
0: Oh, and the Travel. beams of light from the moon?
1: Um, yeah. Beams of light from the moon, you could walk on it.
0: I remember hearing something about that, but.
1: You know, uh, Virgil knows that story. Clifford might know it too. I'm pretty sure
0: Virgil knows it. Geez, I'll have to right, ask uh, him.
1: Yeah.
0: How about that, uh, any of those, um, kind of strange things that happened down at that lake, down at Fourhorn Lake?
1: We're that scared, time?
0: <laughs> oh, there's that one. Then there's... Then I
1: took that, uh, Went down there, because I, I, well, wherever I was, not going go. I, those sweet told me to feed them. They'd watch over, not only me, but my family and extended family and everything. Hmm. And whenever I can, they said, it don't matter where you feed us. As long as it's water, he said, we're, we're in all of them. Wherever there's water, even a little puddle, he said, we're, They said, we're in that. That's what I did, I. That lake was really choppy, and waves were blowing to the shore. And I put that plate together. I put it on, uh, like, some sticks and uh, made, like, a little raft. Mm-hmm. And I uh, put it out there, and I pushed it the little ways just to get it out into that. And just like that, water calmed about uh, around it about 10 feet in a circle, and it just took that plate out, out. Into those waves, all the way out, far away out in there. That uh, you know, to me, that wasn't that was uh, them accepting a the gift. But and and uh, well, you'd say it's more of a like you know they say that Catholics took all that away from us, priests and stuff beating uh, our parents and stuff. Like with me, I'm, I've am i always been kind of like close to that. But she got scared of it because it was just something that was, shouldn't happen, you know. They shouldn't, uh, that food shouldn't have went out, and it should have just been blown right back to shore, but it didn't. It calmed right around it, and it took that plate out. And she wanted to get out there, so. Yeah, yeah, we would we would picnic out in Blacktail that time. Another one that my grandpa talks about, uh, Bullshoe. When he was a young man, he said he was uh, out there on the east side, that east uh, coulee running down uh, from Forehorn. It runs east. And um, that's where he, uh, he spotted some antelope. And they just had to happen around 1840, somewhere around there, maybe earlier, because he was young when he did it. But he's seen, uh, seen those antelope playing up in one of those little uh, berry bushes. And he uh, went up, uh, he was going to shoot one and try to get it around close enough to shoot him. So he must have had a bow or using a bow because he, uh, Said he got around back, though he got and then his horse started acting up, rearing up, and uh, like trying to get away. And uh, he didn't know why it was acting like that, so he tied it to a sagebrush. You know, you can't pull them out. The sagebrush are pretty tough. But he uh, tied it to a sagebrush, and he got up in the, uh, got up on top of that little uh, cut where that those antelope were below him. But when he looked across, they were running up the other side of that. The uh, north side of that, coolie, northeast side. They're running up and heading towards uh, what we call Hamilton now, Hamilton Ridge. Mm-hmm. They're running up that way, and he, when he looked down, he said he seen. Uh, as my dad told me, he said it looked like uh, it moved like a caterpillar, like a giant caterpillar. He said it didn't slither, but it humped and pushed itself the way a caterpillar would move. Oh. But it was big, and I never, you know, um, never asked him. Kind of, we ever if they ever told him how long it was or anything, or. But what it did was it went up, and it, this was before there was. Uh, Four Horn Lake was just a natural lake there, and it went up and it went into the lake and went up and uh, swam out to where it goes, at. that bank is, that big bank is there, and it said it went straight down, straight down into the water, and it, it never resurfaced, so I don't know what, a, you know, how long he waited there or anything, to, uh, to see it uh but uh yeah that that story's been in family for oh i don't know since he's seen it i guess it was passed on to my uh, grandpa joe my grandpa joe passed it on to my dad my dad passed it on down to us he used to like those uh, they sit around in the evening and uh, get them separate it. Start telling us those stories like that of uh, all those uh, medicine men and stuff that were around it and uh, things that they've seen at that lake. Yeah. Yeah. They say they'd see those uh, water dogs mm-hmm. out there. Watch them. Yeah, and that, this was back in the 1800s early 1900s, they'd watch, they'd see those, and my mom said the last time they seen anything in there had to be about
0: 1940,
1: Hmm. yeah, uh, I can't remember who she said they were going through there, but they, uh, they were on a wagon, they went down around this side, uh, they been on the west side of Forehorn. And they, uh, they said there was something. There's reeds out there. Those reeds that grow in the lake. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, uh, they seen something laying in there. And they, they thought it was a dead cow or something, bloated. So they just went down. They said, uh, they went down, I think they went down the whole agency. Then they, uh coming back up, they said whatever it was, it was moving along the edge. Edge of that lake. Uh, on a, it'd be on the west side it went where the reeds were below that uh greenhouse is now. That would below there that was all reeds. It came out of there and it went around that corner going uh south along the edge and she said that's the last time that she can uh remember that anybody ever seen anything in that they thought it was a dead cow but when it was uh Moving, you know, the wouldn't there's nothing in that lake that can move like that. Uh, you know, no carcass won't move.
0: Uh, you know, just stay
1: there and move in one place because that lake don't move enough. But, uh, yeah, whatever it was, she said, that's the last time that she can uh, remember ever hearing of anybody seeing anything in there. Hmm. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a good People get scared of it. Um, that feeling it gives you out there, but I don't know, maybe being raised around it I don't I don't fear it or feel, you know, any any animosity coming from it or anything.
0: Yeah. That that story that um you told about my grandpa there too, about our child. That yeah. That one I think about yeah. that one a lot too.
1: Hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he's lived down there and he, uh, my mom's the one that told me this story and she, uh, said that, that there's a little, there's an old guy that stays, that, that's in the lake, but he'll send out a kid, a young kid, uh, Talk to people if he's got something to say to them. He said he sent that kid out, and Owl child just bought a new hat. The yeah. kid came out, and he came to Owl child in his dream and told him that, you know, that old guy in that lake really likes your hat. Yeah. He said if you give it to him, just take it down to the edge and throw, the, throw it in there, and he'll accept it. Old child (laughs) told him, No, that's my hat. Tell him he wants a hat. He can get his own hat. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Later, I think it might have been a year or so later, he just got through butchering a cow and he had his uh, hide hanging over his um, uh, krell.
0: Yeah.
1: Cow hide. Kid came out again that night and told him he's. uh, giving you another chance." He said, he, uh, he said, if you've been here a long time, he said, you want to you, you know, watch over you and stuff. And he said, but he, he wants that hide. And yeah, I wouldn't give him that hide. Same thing, you know, he said, take it down to the edge of the water, throw it in there, and you'll see him accept it. And he said, no. So my mom told me, said about later on that year, he was hauling logs. Uh, I don't know if he was they're building houses or what, uh, log house. Mm-hmm. But uh, his wagon tipped with him and those uh, logs uh, rolled on him. And after he they said Well, there goes. Old people said that, you know, because he didn't uh, listen to that guy, an old guy in that lake. Uh, but it's um you I mean if you're out there you'll you know, you could feel in the evenings I feel with me it just I just feel content. But other people don't like uh and sister Karen never liked it. She said it felt too too odd out there. And it's just she could actually feel like something was around in the lake. She never, she did go out there to fish every now and then. She said that they never went out there a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, Amber won't go, uh, your daughter, my wife. Amber won't go out there. She, she's, I, I asked her, I said, well, if I ever got a boat and we went out there to fish, would you fish with me out there? I won't know. She said, and then I finally kind of talked to her a little more, maybe during the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Haber don't like that lake either Well she don't mind going out there We fish out there You know in that reservoir With everybody else But She she, she just Don't want to swim in it Really Yeah mm-hmm. Yeah I don't
1: know uh, People Different people Feel different about it
0: Yeah Like me I don't feel no way about it either I'm really curious I wouldn't You know I'd like to go yeah. out there On a boat <laughs> Yeah I was <would've
1: laughs> I went out there a couple times on a raft, of one of them uh, rubber rafts.
0: Yeah, what, oh, was that scary?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that damn John was small, and he kind be careful when you get in here now. He jumped in there, and he kicked one of those, Or you air them up, mm-hmm. kicked those out, and we Blue and him were out there. We started getting out there, and I, hey, what's wrong with this raft? That damn John, when he got in, he kicked that nipple out of there. (laughs) That bastard Aaron down, holy shit, was really paddling. (laughs) That John, I don't know, he was doing something when I took him to uh, fishing with us or hunting with us. (laughs) I just have to watch him all the time after that.
0: You know, I remember hearing a story a while back, but I just I just remember bits of it. Maybe, maybe you know something about it. Um your uncle Ray uh was busting uh, holes in the ice for those cows or water holes. And um, uh uh-huh. busted down and he ended up end up wounding or killing one of those water people. Do you remember something like that? Uh uh-uh. uh. No it, so, first
1: time I heard it.
0: Yeah, so Clifton was telling me, he said, yeah, that he was over there and he was digging in the, you know, those holes like that. And I guess he, with that shovel or that pick, whatever he had, he, he, he hit it in the head or, If I remember I hit it in the head and it was laying in, in that ice, you know, just it was kind of like the water wasn't really deep, but he was laying in between those rocks and that ice, just laying there and he wouldn't move anymore. Well, Ray, I guess he went and got Leo, you know, your dad, and I guess he went down there and, to show him what he did, I guess he was kind of upset and got down there, and it was gone. And I guess Leo told him, "Well, you know, they 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 just took their own. Don't don't worry. It was an accident." Yeah, yeah. I guess it was gone. That water person was gone.
1: that the first time I heard that.
0: I wonder what they they, you know, you, you ever hear the other, the other people they they talk about mermaids. Yeah, I wonder if they're talking about sweet to Peas and Okita Peaks you know the the water people yeah. water. I wonder if that's it there you know like maybe,
1: maybe yeah because you know what different people different uh ethnic groups have a different name for everything yeah but usually they're the same basically they're the same thing uh to some people you know they're bad to others they're good um Different or something.
0: But yeah, it kinda depends on where you're from, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, that is I mean when you think about it that that's probably a really you know well, there's more water on this road than anything else. Of course there's gonna yeah. be a lot of those spirits around, you know. Yeah. Hmm. That really uh, makes me wonder yeah. about those. Those water people, see, because people don't even know about water dogs, those water spirits, those water people, I don't even know about, you know, a lot of people don't know about those. When yeah. I was, when I was a kid, uh, they were telling us that Buster Yellow Kidney in them, they were all telling us, uh, stay at that, stay at that creek down there, we didn't do this ceremony, We were gonna, they were going to do a, I don't know what they were doing down there, because uh, there was something bad that got in that water, and they didn't have a, you know, they they had it planned to to cleanse it but they didn't get to get down there yet that summer my grandpa and what they told us all to stay at that water well my cousin had lived down at that pot's house so I walked the creek all the way down to below their house then I walked up to their house and got my cousin then we walked back down then up to this to this uh, green hole that we we're swimming that's about in the middle of our houses and anyways we, we were swimming in there well they They didn't tell us we could go back down there yet, but geez, I would already been up at the house for a week. I didn't want to wait any longer. I want to go back to the water. So I went and got her and it was all right. I was taking tobacco and I was offering when I crossed the, excuse me, when I crossed the river. But I got all the way down there and we swam. I I jumped in first in that green hole and I come up and there's this little bank I was standing on. It had that wire around it. You know how they make false banks? This one kind of dislodged yeah. and rolled kind of halfway in the middle of the river and it created a big green hole in there because that water was how it was running over it. And I, I jumped off of that. I was about up to my knees in the water and I was standing on that thing and I dove into the green hole, come up. Priscilla jumps in after me and I, I went back up to that bank to, to see what she did, I don't know, just to watch, maybe grab her hand and help her up. She was just reaching for my hand. I could see that sunlight in her eyes. And then I heard her scream under the water, and I, I seen her face just get scared, and she start going back down. So I reached further, <laughs> I was almost falling off that little bank into that green hole with her. And I reached down, I just barely grabbed her, and I pulled her up. She was still screaming the whole way until she come out. Ah, something grabbed me, something grabbed me, and I, I didn't know what to do. We just I pulled her off. We went to the bank, and and she was pulling up her right ankle. Look, 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 and there was a handprint on it. Like a human handprint. Like somebody really grabbed her hard. Yeah. And it was yanking her under it. Well, they'd warned us. You know, there was something down there not to go play, but, well, kids being kids, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there, there really is those, you know, that water spirits. Those are there. There. Yeah, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, there
1: they're coming from shapes and, you know, different shapes, sizes, kind of depends on what, I guess, uh, what
0: they want to show you. Amber said when she seen one of those water dogs, it looked like about the size of a calf and it had webbed feet. <laughs> she said it would just run right on top of that water. Oh. Uh, it wouldn't even yeah. s- wouldn't sink.
1: I caught one up. Or, 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 I don't know, what it how should I remember that story that... I mean, this was, uh, oh, about 15 years ago or so, maybe a little longer. But they, she said she caught one up here by either, it's either uh, Mittens. Yeah, I think it was Mittens Lake. Caught like a little hairy thing like that. Mm-hmm. That's what she called water dog, she said, but she didn't want to. Keep it. She put it back in that water. Like I said that's what it did. It kind of barked at her, and then it just went, went down. <laughs> uh, yeah, Anne knows who that woman was because she was telling Anne that story.
0: Hmm. Well, let's end there, huh, Daryl? Maybe we'll hit it again if we refresh.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Well, geez, thanks for all the stories. We'll be sure and get this up. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this. <laughs> okay. All right, well, thanks, Darryl.
1: Yeah, you betcha.
0: Well, if you like what we do here at Lodge Tales, please consider donating or becoming a member over on Patreon. We'll have one member episode a month there. And, uh, what I plan on doing is, well, I I hope to get more than, uh, you know, at least a couple people there for one interview and we will all three of us go around with it, you know, something like that, or we'll figure it out. But either way, we're going to have a bonus episode every month for members only. And, um, if you are Native American and you have anything along the paranormal that you want to share email me at lodgetales at gmail.com. All right, well, that does it for the show. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye.